the Purple Mafia with your host, Paladino Joey. Well, we'll see. The doctors would disagree, but what do they know? So let's just say that you'll pay me because it's in your interest to pay me. Is it worth it? I mean, you've won. You want to wipe everybody out? I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom. Just my enemy. That's all. My father taught me many things. He taught me, keep your friends close, put your enemies close. These are wonderful things that we've achieved, and there's no limit to where we can go from here. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Owijan. Today is Monday, August the 16th, 2010, and it is episode number 66 of the aforementioned Purple Mafia. Well, this is the episode that you've been waiting for for quite a while now, the training camp special, and of course, uh, we're going to review the preseason game that occurred on Saturday, but of course not your typical in-depth uh, review that I would do during the regular season. This is more analytical, you could say, in terms of uh, individual players. More or less, the whole training camp special coincides with the game, the preseason game. That's what preseason is all about. It's not about the wins and losses. It is about the play of certain players behind the starters. And uh, as well, you, you always hope the starters play up to the potential that they, of course, do have. And, uh, yeah, we're going to analyze the positions on this football team. <laughs> Worked on that project Friday night. Was going to record Saturday night, and, uh, well, that was just not going to happen. It didn't happen last night either, unfortunately. Just things continue to get in the way. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just not worry about that right now. But yeah, that's pretty much the idea, what we're going to talk about here on episode number 66 today of Purple Mafia, which is, of course, available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. It is always a pleasure to bring it to you week by week, and uh, I believe I have some new listeners coming in from Twitter, MN Sports Show, I believe it's called. appreciate it very, very much for checking it out, so here's a shout-out to you. We'll get to that in a little bit. The Twitter account, the Facebook account. Um, yeah, we're going to respond to some of you, to your Facebook messages today as well on the Facebook group. It's facebook.com, of course. Those of you out there, please do join the group. Simply in uh, type in the search bar, <laughs> uh, Purple Mafia Minnesota Vikings Show. Purple Mafia Minnesota Vikings Show. Type that in, and you will find it. And you can comment, and your comments will be read on air on there. You can have a conversation about the Vikings, what's going on right now, or questions and all that. That will occur later on. We're going to basically go over the positions and the games <laughs> at the same time here. That's pretty much going to be the gist of the show. Also, comment a little on Twitter. And, of course, a new fad going on right now. Well, it makes taking notes easier. It makes it more fun by basically tweeting during the game. I mean, it's kind of a nice, more fancy way, I guess, or more techy way, I guess, of taking notes and a more public way of taking notes during games. So, yeah, twitter.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show, twitter.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show, and, of course, a way for you to find the show and check it out. Thanks again for uh, checking out the show. So, Vikings did win 28-7 to Saturday night against the St. Louis Rams. Uh, it was about as competitive as the regular season game last year when it was 41-7, to Minnesota over the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, good times indeed. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, another thing that's plagued the Vikings, uh, since I've started watching them at least since 92, but I'm thinking even further back, yeah, we gave up another, yeah, we gave up another special teams touchdown. Chris Cluey's punt was returned by Danny Amendola for 93 yards to Paydirt. Oh, and remember Sean System. Remember that guy with the Dallas Cowboys last year when he missed the field goal. But no, we give up yet another kick return touchdown. Oh, come on! <laughs> Good times in Minnesota. 
like always. That is uh, just the frustration level with that is endless because I know we're not trying to, it's not about wins and losses per se, but when you give up a special teams touchdown, that still counts to me. It does. It just, I know our special teams have improved dramatically over the years, and yeah, they have, or at least the last two years, or last year especially, was the biggest improvement of the special teams probably since, I don't know, I don't even know when, sometime during the mid-90s when it was okay. Yeah, but generally, it's pretty frustrating. Um, but this, no, this has plagued the team for eternity, as far as I'm concerned. At least we only gave up one, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about the uh, extent of positivity for that. <sighs> but no, we'll talk about the quarterback thing as well. Sage Rosenfels was fantastic. Joe Webb, Joe Webb looks like a quarterback in the National Football League. But, of course, we're not going to get to the quarterbacks just yet. We're going to save that for a little later here during the analytical period here. So, actually, as we start the position breakdown, we're going to go to the center position. There are only two centers in camp. That's where the ball basically starts on the offensive side. Of course, with the centers, those guys are John Sullivan and John Cooper. Um, when I believe a guy is on the bubble or potentially, either potentially or most likely will be cut, or can be cut, per se, is fighting with another guy, I put him in red. Uh, neither one of these two centers is in red, folks. John Cooper is going to make this team, just like last year, uh, be it practice squad or uh, regular roster. I believe regular roster, John Cooper will be on this team next year. John Sullivan, of course, returns as the starter. And that's about the end of the, anal- the analyzing on those two, other than um, John Sullivan... Looks a little better. He had a decent season last year. Nothing spectacular. John Cooper came out of nowhere and uh, obviously undrafted. And a lot of players do come undrafted and impressed in camp. And then next thing you know, they're or they're like say a sixth, seventh round pick per se, and they end up being a several a multi-time Pro Bowl. I mean, you, you never know. Matt Burke was a sixth round pick, and uh, you got to like that how that turned out. John Cooper. Going to make things interesting for John Sullivan, I think, the Johns at the center position. I think it's going to be interesting long-term. Obviously, John Sullivan, though, right now, who another six-round pick with, as they say, short arms. That's been a part of the analysis with him over the years, or at least over the last year, anyway, <laughs> since he was drafted. Uh, he hasn't been in the league that long yet, but uh, that's one thing with him, though he was a solid, solid center last year. So now we're going to quickly move on to the cornerback position. There are eight cornerbacks. Count them, eight cornerbacks in camp. Obviously, camp is over, but nobody's been cut as of yet. So we're still going to call it the training camp special because it basically is. And now we got to see them with our own eyes on Saturday night, myself included, of course, with you, the listeners. Antoine Winfield, of course, returns, and he will be a starter. Cedric Griffin is on the pup list still to this day. He could be out for a bit longer here. He could be out until around the bye week, unfortunately. Yeah, he could be out till about the bye week. That's about Shucks week four there. We'll see how things turn out with him. A very nasty ACL tear on the final kickoff of the season during the NFC Championship game in overtime. Very unfortunate there. Leto Shepard will start... At least as of right now, he is projected as the starter. He, of course, assigned as a free agent from the uh, New York Jets. He was a Philadelphia Eagle as well. Not the greatest season ever last year, but over his career with the Philadelphia Eagles, definitely been a ball hawk and a solid Pro Bowl Um, cornerback. Definitely added depth to that position without a doubt. Cedric Griffin is a potential Pro Bowler as well, yet he's on the pup list. Benny Sapp returns. He is a... uh, he was the nickelback last year. He had a, just an unbelievable camp last year. He was projected to be the fourth or fifth cornerback last year, Benny Sapp. Um, really, his role is as a nickel, as a backup. He, I was talking about him as a starter. Yeah, he was a good fill-in when needed. But no, that's not his role. It's just not. He's a nickelback or a, uh, a fourth guy. Uh, though having him on this team is outstanding. I'm very happy with Benny Sapp. Chris Cook, though, you talk about being happy with somebody. This guy's got a star next to his <laughs> next to his name because he is having an outstanding, 
outstanding camp. And Chris Cook looks to be yet another outstanding draft pick by, I'm going to use the word again, an outstanding vice president of player personnel, Rick Spielman. (laughs) He has been fantastic in the draft, folks. You can't argue with Rick Spielman's drafting. It has been fantastic. And, of course, the trades, of course, uh, 08, there was no draft pick because they used that to get Jared Allen. And Jared Allen's worked out pretty good. Chris Cook. Remember, I kind of just did a yawn, basically, about getting Chris Cook and passing on uh, Clawson. Chris (laughs) Clawson. Excuse me. Yeah, passing on Clawson. And uh, said Chris Cook now looking really good. Of course, he is the number 31, the big giant. He's a very big cornerback. A lot of cornerbacks are pretty small, like Benny Sapp and Antoine Winfield. Those are pretty small guys. Cedric Griffin, another one of those prototype larger cornerbacks. Chris Cook and Cedric Griffin, long-term, I believe, will be the starting cornerbacks for this team. And uh, they both have size. They both have talent. And Chris Cook has just been amazing since showing up. I mean, since showing up at camp. He has been amazing. He looked excellent in the preseason game as well against the St. Louis Rams. The guy looks really good. Asher Allen is up and down. He's crazy. Believe it or not, I have him in the red, and that's not because I think he's going to get cut, but hey, he's in the bubble because he's going to still, he still has to officially make the team over Marcus Sherrills and DeAndre, DeAndre Wright, who I don't expect to make the team. Asher Allen most likely will be here. I mean, obviously, they're going to most likely keep six cornerbacks, but I got to put somebody else besides Marcus Sherrills and DeAndre Wright in that uh, in the red, Marcus Sherrill's also a golden gopher. I got him in maroon. <laughs> yeah, a former golden gopher. You wish him the best, but unlikely to make the team yet. Him and DeAndre Wright most likely attempting to make enough of an impression to either make the practice squad here or elsewhere. And, of course, try to uh, progress beyond that. Safety position, there are six safeties in camp. Medea Williams and Tyrell Johnson return as the starters. The Minnesota Vikings do not, repeat, do not acquire a safety via the draft or via free agency. Despite some shaky play by these two guys, um, (laughs) the announcers on CARE 11 on Saturday night were talking about Medea Williams like he was uh, one of the greatest safeties of all time, like he's Ed Reed or something. I don't know about that. I've not really been a fan of his. I think he's a better hitter than a coverage guy. Of course, safety, you do hit people and all that, but I don't think he's been that great. Tyrell Johnson, he's okay. That's about it. Jamarcus Stanford was a wonderful seventh-round pick last year. He obviously will make the team, and he is having a majorly good camp as well. So uh, Jamarcus Stanford, that stock is going to continue to rise. Uh, A lot of people really happy about him. Hussein Abdullah is the fourth guy. He will return because he is an outstanding special teams player, along with Eric Frampton who would be the fifth guy. He's in the red because it's not only because he'd be competing with, you know, Cole Anderson, who's the sixth guy, and you never know because you don't know how many players they're going to keep at that position and because of uh, (laughs) the kickoff specialist who takes off, who, excuse me, takes a position away from somebody else, potentially a special teams guy like Eric Frampton. Hussein Abdullah was just amazing last year, though, in the special teams, and he is a nice safety as well, though he did miss a tackle in the game. I don't think that's going to kill him or anything. Cole Anderson was actually kind of solid. They actually wired him up during the game. He's fairly entertaining, a gutty guy. I think unlikely to make the team unless they really want to keep six safeties because I, I, Eric Frampton, I think, is going to make the team. Who knows, though? I mean, you never know what's going to happen with that. So now we slide to defensive end. Jared Allen, Ray Edwards, hello. Of course they're going to make the team. Of course they're going to start. Um, Everson Griffin, a lot of people really love him. I do as well. Fourth round pick out of the wonderful uh, Southern Cal. Probably the most, probably the biggest name college football team out there other than like Ohio State and uh, whatever. You get the idea, Texas and such. Just been a, uh, in Florida. Yeah, Florida. Everson Griffin, a lot of people love him, though. Sometimes he just needs to turn the the energy switch up a little bit. More and more and more motivation out of him. That can be kind of frustrating with anybody. 
though, of course, he obviously is going to be on the team because of his talent. Brian Robinson, Jamie Mitchell, and Mike Montgomery fighting for what I believe is two spots, I'll say right now. I'll say two spots. It could be just one. It depends on what that strategy is. I'll say two. Jamie Mitchell made an awesome impression with two sacks in the game. He has been wonderful for this team. Mike Montgomery looking to be the odd man out. He, of course, was acquired from the Green Bay Packers. Brian Robinson still on the team, of course. Uh, he He's potentially in the red as well. We'll see how that turns out. It's going to be interesting. Um, saw very solid depth at this position. Solid. Especially if Everson Griffin turn, uh, really pans out here. We'll see. Defensive tackle, though. You talk about depth. It is just phenomenal. Absolutely awesome depth for these guys. And uh, two of the... <laughs> Two guys who could potentially get playing time if the Purple Pill Eaters, yeah, the Purple Pill Eaters, and yes, I did officially mention that nickname first. I don't think anybody has actually used that nickname on the uh, on any shows locally. Who knows? doesn't really matter. But uh, two guys that could back up the Williams. Well, of course, you have Kevin and Pat Williams. They're starting. They're pro bowlers. Kevin Williams is an overall stud. Pat Williams is a run stopper, of course. Fred Evans is kind of like the Pat Williams... Uh, replacement potentially and Latroy Guyon would be the Kevin Williams replacement should that take place they are fantastic defensive tackles Fred Evans and Latroy Guyon virtual locks on the roster Latroy Guyon has had an amazing camp he has uh, lost bad weight and gained good weight I mean it has just been an awesome camp for him Latroy Guyon is my guy I really have been a fan of his since the Vikings took him in the fifth round in 2008, I just, I really like Latroy Guy, and he's, he's one of those guys who, no matter how much playing time you give him, he's going to be productive, he's going to find a way to get a sack, and to really be a, a, a part of things, a tackle for loss on the running back, whatever it is, be a force, knock down a pass, whatever, Latroy Guy is an outstanding player, I think, um, I, I really, really like him, and like I said, again, when you can get a guy on your team, who even in limited time can still really make something happen, even in limited time. I mean, that's just somebody you got to have on your roster. Just, fa- just fantastic. That's why I like him so much. Uh, guaranteed to make the roster at this point, along with Fred Evans. Jimmy Kennedy and Tremaine Johnson are the other two at this point in time, the other two defensive tackles. Kennedy looks good still. He had a very solid season last year when needed. Tremaine Johnson most likely the odd man out, but again, like I'm going to say, all day, you never know. But uh, right now, I think it's going to be uh, Jimmy Kennedy. Well, he's going to, it depends on how many they want to keep as well. I got to think they're going to keep five just because you kind of almost have to. Linebackers, there are nine, nine linebackers. Nine linebackers. And they're going to keep, <laughs> they may keep eight of them. That's the funny part because of the value here. Most likely, I mean, seven it's a guarantee, but they may keep up to eight. E.J. Henderson, of course, uh, the best of the bunch, though the most, uh, unfortunately, the most accident-prone. He had the toe deal, canceled his season. Again, it's, uh, it was a Tennessee Titans game in 2008. Last year, of course, the femur, Jamarcus Sanford helmet into E.J. Henderson's femur in that awful Arizona game. Um, unfortunately, derailed his season, but he's back. <laughs> he's, he's amazingly back. Uh, of course, did not play in the game. But he could be back for the next game. We'll see how things go here against the San Francisco 49ers or maybe the Seattle Sea Chickens. E.J. Henderson looking good. Chad Greenway on the verge of becoming a pro bowler. He, of course, is the other starter along with Ben Lieber. Those guys, that is just an awesome linebacker core. Jasper Brinkley taken in the draft last year, I believe, the fourth round. Just an outstanding player. Uh, very good. Very good on the special teams. Very good overall linebacker. Of course, still has a lot to learn. But uh, is the potential linebacker, middle linebacker of the future should anything continue, happen again with E.J. Henderson, Jasper Brinkley, or maybe Ben Lieber leaves. We'll see how things go there. Lieber's the oldest of the bunch there. Um, Brinkley continuing to be a valuable piece, though, as well. A lot of people love him. I do as well. Heath Farwell is the special team's ace, him along with uh, Hussein Abdullah and uh, Kenny 
Onatolu, Kenny Onatolu will be back as well. He actually led the entire uh, special teams and tackles. He almost, he basically unseated Heath Farwell for that. He could be like a Pro Bowl special teams guy. Heath Farwell was before getting injured. <laughs> he had an ACL injury a year ago or two years ago, I guess. Uh, Aaron Henderson is also a valuable piece. Along, he is also the younger brother of E.J. Henderson, as mentioned it probably a billion times. Nate Triplett, former Gopher, taken in the fifth round. He's kind of on the bubble just because there's uh, a, a lot of depth yet again, and again, that stupid kickoff specialist. Uh, PA was kind of ranting a little bit about that as well on the show today. It's like, hey, he's going to, you know, like him, I'm going to say this, going to support the move because it's our club and all that. But it'll be frustrating if you give up a, a valuable piece. And I got to think Nate Triplett reserves to be on the NFL roster. We'll just see how that turns out. Running backs, well, to me, it's pretty obvious who's going to stay and who's going to go. Um, the fifth guy most likely could wind up on the practice squad if he doesn't pick up. Uh, yeah, Adrian Peterson, I think he's going to be on this team. Yeah, I think there's a good chance of that. Right now, Albert Young is projected as the number two running back ahead of Toby Gerhardt as of right now. And he did something. Saturday night that I like. So here you go again where you kind of uh, parallel the game and the breakdown, the positional breakdown. Albert Young made a really nice catch and run for a first down on a third down play. Uh, it was fantastic. It, it did look like Chester Taylor, and I, I liked it very much. That was very, very, very <laughs> encouraging. Of course, I tweeted about that. That was uh, really nice. That was really nice stuff. I was very happy with how that turned out. Um, though nothing amazing out of Albert Young in the actual game itself. Nothing amazing out of any running back in this game. Of course, Adrian Peterson didn't even touch the ball in this game. He's still kind of recovering from that tightness. That's kind of an interesting thought. Uh, the best rusher in the game was Joe Webb overall in terms of yards per carry. <laughs> and, and he also tied Gerhardt for yards. Um, Nobody stood out really running game in this particular game. Ian Johnson had six yards and four carries. Albert Young had minus seven yards on six rushes. <laughs> yeah, Gerhardt with 24 on eight rushes. That's good for only a three-yard per carry. Joe Webb only uh, was uh, pretty uh, pretty limber out there. It looked nice. Looked nice indeed. Darius Renat also 3.2 yards per carry, 19 yards and six rushes. Motes. Actually, Moats, that's the funny part. Moats, you could say, was probably the most productive, but he only rushed three times, 16 yards, 5.3 a carry. So, yeah, Ryan Moats, the former Philadelphia Eagle, former Brad Childress understudy, you could say, former part of that offense that Childress used to coach in Philadelphia. Um, unfortunately, right now, he's very much in the red. He's, in a lot of ways, projected as the sixth guy or fifth guy, Ian Johnson, as mentioned, he most likely will be on the practice squad. Darius Renaud is an is a special teams ace. He will return. He's obviously been a receiver and a running back. He is now a running back, believe it or not. Was an unbelievable high school running back. As mentioned earlier today. Uh, of course, Gerhard and Young will be on this roster. Will play on Sundays. Albert Young will play on Sundays. He was the third running back last year, and he is competing for number two this year. And uh, the catch and run thing with Albert Young... It certainly can't hurt his chances. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, that was that was solid. He, he did catch three passes in the game, sixteen yards total. Of course, one of them was that was that play. Um, not bad, not bad. Definitely led the uh, the running backs in receptions. Darius Raynaud had one catch for nine yards. That's great. That's good. But of course, he's been a receiver, so you kind of expect that as well at times. Yeah, I like what I see out of Albert Young. He has a very, very solid chance of getting uh, getting some serious playing time this year. And, uh, yeah, I can see that taking place. I could absolutely see that taking place. So now let's move to fullbacks. Well, Nafahu Tahi, Jeff Dugan, and Ryan D'Imperio. D'Imperio, very good chance all three of these guys make the roster. Jeff Dugan always makes the team. He's always solid. He's a great blocker. Nafahu Tahi is the main fullback. He is what he is. He's, he's going to be here. And Ryan D'Imperio was taken as a linebacker in the fifth round, if I remember correctly. Sixth round, excuse me. Sixth or seventh. Uh, I think he's going to make the team, believe it or not. I do. Um, 
though you got to put him in the red because he's third behind those two guys. And Fahu Tai and Jeff Dugan are going to be on this roster if you like it or not. Uh, DM Curry actually looked solid out there. I love the name. How how, how can you not? It's a, a sweet-sounding Italian name, the Imperio. Um, we'll see how that turns out. Looks like a solid player for as far as I'm concerned at this point in time. So now we're going to quickly move on to quarterbacks. Well, there's going to be three quarterbacks. There are potentially four. One of them has a question mark in front of them. And who do you think that quarterback is? Well, I think he's the same guy. I was down in Mississippi throwing some passes to high schoolers and uh, worrying about his ankle, Dr. James Andrews, and uh, he's going to do the best he can to see if his ankle's good to go. Um, so now we're going to talk about Brett Favre. Yeah, we're going to talk about Brett Favre right now. I'm going to try to keep it as brief as possible. Well, my, I, I'm becoming more and more pessimistic because of the quiet, because of the silence, folks. I'm becoming more and more pessimistic. Yeah, I was 80% most of the year, up to 90%. I'm down to about 60% for your chance Brett Favre comes back. That's still better than 50, meaning I'm still believing he comes back. It's just uh, the pessimism is starting to roll in a little bit. The fog is starting to roll in, unfortunately. I don't know. I do believe he returns. Uh, the belief of his ankle is that it is what it is. It depends on how much Favre can tolerate. He does want to play. I mean, it's obvious Brett Favre wants to play. You can tell. Comments also have been made a million times from guys like Daryl Bevel and others. Ryan Longwell, if the, ankle's good, if the ankle is healthy enough, Brett Favre is going to play. So the ankle is what it is. It's just a matter of how much Favre can to- uh, tolerate. And Brett Favre has been a 16-game quarterback since 1992, well, not officially since that year because he didn't start the very first game of the season, but you get the idea. He has gone ever since game two, I believe, of that year. It was two or three, if I remember. I, I don't even know the name of the quarterback that started for the Packers in 92. That's pretty funny when you think about it because it was it was, it was was a no-name. Brett Favre was a no-name then, too. He was a, what was he, kind of a, a stiff, overweight guy from the Atlanta Falcons, and then he becomes a legend. Yeah. So uh, right now, that's our, that's the stance with Brett Favre. My hands are folded as I speak to you right now. I really hope he comes back and that uh, he can uh, continue to be the player we saw last year. The numbers probably won't add up to quite the, the same of uh, efficiency, but yeah, the offense is a perfect fit. The, <laughs> the coaching is a perfect fit, and if. Uh, uh, wide receiver position. We'll get to that in a second. If that can work out, a couple of very talented players having issues at that position. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. Yeah, we'll get to that as well. Uh, Tavares Jackson, you barely got to see him play, though he is having a fantastic camp. He is looking much more uh, precise. He is looking much more uh, uh, much more of a student of the game. He's looking off the linebackers and the cornerbacks out there and the safeties. Just like, you know, he's basically trying to emulate Brett Favre in, in, a, in, in a good way without really obviously copying him. He's a completely different type of player, of course, more of a vertical type of guy. Like I believe Travis Jackson would be better in a more vertical offense. I think other, a million other people would agree with that. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's here in the West Coast offense. That's pretty much what's going on, and uh, he's doing a good job of it. And right now he's projected as the starter if Brett Favre does not return to the Minnesota Vikings and his Eden Prairie house that he's, or not Eden Prairie, Edina house that he, stay, that he stayed in last year. We'll see how that turns out. Sage Rosenfels, Sage freaking Rosenfels looked pretty, pretty darn good against a very bad, very bad team, a very bad defensive core. And of course, like uh, second round, or excuse me, second string, third string players, but he did look awfully good, regardless. Hey, how many backup quarterbacks have looked like <laughs> absolute garbage against those those uh, second and third stringers? So give Sage Rosenfeld some credit. I mean, he was outstanding. He was outstanding in this game. There's no doubt about it. I mean, just take a look at the numbers. Take a look at the numbers. His quarterback rating was 125, really 126 because it's .9. 
310 yards, good for about 68%, and three touchdowns, no interceptions. He was outstanding at a lot of plays. There were a couple of plays that were so close, including with Logan Payne, who we'll get to in a little, we'll get to like right now here in a second. Logan Payne and Rosenfels barely missing on a couple of huge plays. I could have really, could have had Rosenfels around 400 yards in a preseason game. How many quarterbacks throw 34 passes in a preseason game? 310 and three touchdowns. It's kind of funny. Uh, obviously, Sage Rosenfels is being uh, showcased for other teams in the league. That's about the best way you can showcase a guy when he looks like that. That was an awesome game for Sage Rosenfels. And uh, I got to think his, his stock rose a little bit. I mean, you've got to, uh, you, you think you could get a six to maybe even all the way up to a fourth round pick for Sage Rosenfels. With how, with, uh, we'll say six right now just to be careful. Maybe I don't, I don't want to overrate him too much. And, of course, the St. Louis Rams absolutely suck right now. And they won't suck forever. Shucks, we sucked in 2001 and through like 04 or so, 03 at least. Um, yeah, 06 we sucked too. <sighs> that was hard. But at least the defense was getting better. Um, he looks like a much better quarterback right now, Sage Rosenfels. And, again, I got to think it's got to come back to, from uh, learning things from Brett Favre. Brett Favre isn't necessarily in there to be a teacher. And, of course, no, he doesn't have time for that. But Tavares Jackson and Sage Rosenfels learned from Brett Favre whether he tried tried to teach them or not. He was talking with them quite often on the sidelines, and I can't think that hurt. And, of course, you watch a guy go about his business the way Favre does, you're going to learn from it if you like it or not. And Aaron Rodgers looks pretty damn good in Green Bay, doesn't he? Yes, he does. So to say, and Rosenfels and Jackson playing better than people would have expected. So, can't hurt. Can't hurt. So now we get to the fourth guy who I think will be on this roster. If they cut him, they are going to regret it. Or if they try to move him to the practice squad, they are going to lose him. Guaranteed. Joe Webb. Joe Webb looks like a guy who, he looked like a very, he, he looked like a guy who was pretty confident stepping onto the, stepping onto a National Football League field, regardless if it's the St. Louis Rams, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or the... <laughs> Or the New Orleans Saints, or our Indianapolis Colts. The guy looked, the guy looked solid. He doesn't look like the next Donovan McNabb just yet, or the next anything, you know, the next Montana, whatever. But he looked solid. He looked better than Tavares Jackson did when he first stepped out on the field. I mean, Jackson looked like a deer in the headlights. He looked like an ant against a car, pretty much. I mean, it was pretty scary. Tavares Jackson throughout his entire first season in the National Football League. Uh, Joe Webb looks solid. I'm actually pretty impressed. Completed four of six passes. A nice over-the-shoulder pass to a rookie, fellow rookie, Mickey Schuler, the tight end. And he did stay at that position, <laughs> unlike some other guys who they, they tend to shuffle their positions around here in the preseason when they're drafted. Some like, yeah, Imperio from linebacker to fullback. Kind of odd there, but it, but it works. Webb looks solid, though. He does. And it's funny how Henry Lake mentioned the same thing because I tweeted about this on Saturday night. Henry Lake mentioned the exact same thing Sunday afternoon on KFAN, and I'm like, great minds think alike. Joe Webb looks more ready to play than Tavares Jackson did in his first year. So make note of that, folks. Make note of that. For those of you right now that maybe you didn't get to see the game or maybe you don't really follow certain aspects like that very close because you think it's kind of boring. It's only the fourth quarter of the preseason and you're playing against third to fourth stringers. Regardless, Joe Webb looked good. Tavares Jackson did not start coming into the NFL. So take it as you shall. I was uh, pretty happy. And, of course, the guy looks very mobile, as, as I mentioned. Three rushes, 24 yards. Ran for a couple of first downs. We'll take it. We'll take it. Scrambling quarterbacks have made some pretty nice success here in Minnesota, dating all the way back to 1961. Yep, make note of that as well. Uh, Tavares Jackson, yeah, well, we'll see. He has a nice win-loss record. We're going to get to that as well. There, somebody comments about that and during the uh, in the Facebook group. So let's get to the probably the most debated position. Whew. There are 10 wide receivers on the roster right now in training camp, preseason, whatever you want to call it. It's still kind of training camp. 
I guess you can call it. It's more like practice preseason-ish camp now. Sidney Rice is on the P, on the uh, PUP, the pup list, physically unable to perform due to that hip still to this day. Though they're saying he's getting, getting closer and closer. Percy Harvin has had major issues with migraines and, and unfortunately a death in the family, his grandmother. That is a huge issue. They sent out that five uh, five-day letter to him. Whereas if that ended that Percy Harvin wouldn't even be able to play this year. Very interesting there if they had to send that out again. Uh, but Percy Harvin has returned to practice. Percy Harvin is playing. He's ready to go. Remember, we talked about it on uh, the very last show, the last show, episode number 65. That was the last practice for Percy Harvin. That was the last practice. Remember, he hurt his ankle a little bit and came back to practice that night, literally on the 31st of July. Uh that was his last practice, folks. Interesting, huh? Well, he's back now today. So it's funny. It's a good thing I finally got back on the show because that means Percy Harvin's practicing again. <laughs> so at least he'll be back, we hope. And, of course, he is another special teams ace in terms of kick returning. The guy can just uh, the guy can be a game changer when, when healthy. Absolutely. But the migraine thing has been insane. Um, man, you hope that gets corrected. You really do. You really do. Bernard Berrien... Well, he's either the second or third receiver, or I don't know, I guess number one in a way, depending on how Sidney Rice comes back and how good he is this year. He may be also looking for money too because he's only making 500000 in his fourth year. Though, of course, you don't want to give him $10 million a year because he had one good season in three. Yeah. Bernard Berrien, inconsistent, very inconsistent, but, but still a pretty talented guy. Though, unfortunately, one aspect that Bernard Berrien one problem that Bernard Berrien brings to the table, well, the uh, object of playing wide receivers to catch the ball, and, and sometimes Bernard Berrien has problems with that. Hmm. But when he does catch it, big plays tend to happen. That's what's good about him. J.M.R. Johnson, Logan Payne, Greg Lewis, Ray Small, Marquise Hamilton, Tay Biddle, and Freddie Brown. Downtown Freddie Brown, yeah. Also on the, uh, the wide receiver position. I do think Jamar Johnson returns. He was a very solid kick returner for the Vikings last year. Not amazing. Uh, Logan Payne and Sage Rosenfels, as I tweeted about on during the game, looking uh, they they formed some nice uh, chemistry. It started out kind of like they couldn't complete passes at times, but uh, after a few misses, Logan Payne started making some big plays. I mean, yeah, and Sage Rosenfels was completing passes to him as well, uh, including a touchdown. Logan Payne looks pretty solid. He's a former gopher. An outside chance of making the team. He's going to com- be competing with the likes of Greg Lewis and J.M.R. Johnson. Ray Small, Marquis Hamilton, Tay Biddle, Freddie Brown. Very, very unlikely to make the team unless they make some type of major, major impression. Though you never know. They might uh, make enough of an impression to sneak onto the practice squad. Wide receivers, you can never have enough of them. And uh, depending on how long Sidney Rice will be out... <laughs> If he comes back in time for the regular season, then, well, we'll see. Though you may want some type of insurance on this roster. Sidney Rice did guarantee that he will be playing in that game against the New Orleans Saints. But the last time he guaranteed he was going to play, he didn't. So that was, a, that, was a, that was a year ago, I believe, or two years ago. So we'll see how that turns out. Hard to say. Tight end position, well, they're all good. Every one of these four tight ends are are pretty solid. Though, unfortunately, the rookie is a seventh-round pick. We'll get to him in three seconds here. Vasante Shenko, a Pro Bowl receiver. Brett Favre loves him, and how can you not? Jim Kleinsasser, a very good blocker, not a good not a good pass catcher, but uh, he's an established piece of this team has and has been since 1999. He will be back. 99% chance. <laughs> no, 100% chance. Garrett Mills and Mickey Schuler were pretty good in, in the preseason game. Garrett Mills... Also receiving a touchdown pass, made a catch and a scamper for 61 yards. The guy has offensive talent, but he's been uh, definitely an issue with staying healthy, and he's not the best blocker. But Garrett Mills has been on this team for three consecutive training camps. He's been on the roster for three consecutive years, but hasn't really been active during the regular season because of injury after injury, be it ankles or God knows what, shoulder, I believe. Mickey Schuler, as mentioned, received a touchdown from Joe Webb. Looked pretty solid, nothing amazing, but good enough. 
very happy to see what he was able to do in the game. We'll see. Seventh round pick, uh, depends on how many tight ends they're going to keep. And of course, how healthy Garrett Mills is. So they're both in the, we'll put them both in the red for now, Schuler and Mills. So now the guard position, Steve Hutchinson, Anthony Herrera, of course, the starters. Chris DeGuerre struggled mightily in the preseason game. He was a fifth-round pick and the only offensive lineman taken or signed, really, in the uh, the offseason, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, he struggled. He's, he's massive. He looks like uh, a kind of guy that could be good, but unfortunately it tends to take some of these guys at least a year or two to really start to show what they can do. Uh, Phil Lodehold, of course, was kind of okay last year, but not not spectacular because of that. It it takes time. Checks even Corey Stringer struggled his first year. Remember that guy turned out to be an unbelievable player before, yeah, before a bad thing happened in 2001 to him due to the weather and uh, over exerting himself. Unfortunately, Adrian Battles from Mankato State University and Austin Thomas fighting for the roster. They are in the red, and we'll just see how that turns out. Over to tackle, Bryant McKinney and Phil Oldholt. It's just bookend tackles for this team. Big, giant guys. Phil Oldholt looks massively improved, has had an awesome training camp. Bryant McKinney, well, as long as his head's on straight, he's a Pro Bowl tackle. So I'll stay away from ripping him for now. Ryan Cook is still on this roster, believe it or not. He is the draft pick the Vikings acquired for Dante Culpepper <laughs> back in 06. He's enigmatic, and um, who knows. The depth on this offensive line is questionable, folks. The starters are good. They're very good, but the depth not looking good. Sage Rosenfels really got beat up good <laughs> in the game. Chris Clark, Clark looked okay. Drew Radovich has been all right, but another health guy, another guy with, with health issues just like... Uh, Garrett Mills, Patrick Brown, an unknown. We'll see how that turns out. Bill Northlich from southwestern Minnesota State. Again, another long shot to make the team. So now we get to the final positions. <laughs> the kickers, most likely all to make the team, of course. Ryan Longwell and Chris Cluey. There's been there's no competition at the kicker spots, believe it or not. Usually there's competition every year, but Ryan Longwell and Chris Cluey so established that they will be uh, guaranteed roster spots at this point, obviously, barring injury. And how can you not guarantee roster spots to those two guys? They are, they are my, they are my two favorite kickers we've ever had on the Minnesota Vikings since they started watching. And we've had some good ones like Gary Anderson. Uh, <laughs> Mitch Berger was a really nice punter. Chris Cluey's better. Ryan Longwell is the best kicker in the league. Period. The Vikings never had a kicker that good other than maybe Fred Cox in the 70s. He was pretty good as well. Reese Lloyd is a kickoff specialist. He's taking up a roster spot that could be used for a valuable uh, special teams guy, like a linebacker or something. Maybe a wide receiver, but most likely a linebacker. Um, We'll see how that goes. Again, another former gopher, but um, it's pretty much, they're pretty much checking out to see how good of a kickoff guy Ryan Longwell truly is. He was not happy the Vikings signed Reese Lloyd to be the kickoff specialist because Ryan Longwell really loves doing that. Reese Lloyd, well, we'll see how this turns out. If if Ryan Longwell proves that he's a good enough kickoff guy, Reese Lloyd will not be on this roster and he'll be a kickoff specialist somewhere else because I think he's an NFL kickoff guy, of course, but you got to be able to do more than that, I think, <laughs> at least at, at this point in time, if Ryan Longwell can handle it. Um, depth is just, when you're trying to win a championship, depth is a must. Absolute must, though, of course, field position is a must as well. And a good kickoff specialist can uh, help out in that area. So that'll conclude the fairly long <laughs> the fairly long training camp uh, positional breakdown. And, of course, that was an also a combination game review, you can say. It's really all you need to talk about when it comes to the game. You're breaking down positions, really, when you're talking about preseason football. So... Whew, I think I got to take a quick breather here from that. That was intense. I hope you liked it. And uh, I put a lot of work into that as well. So I hope you liked it. I hope I didn't lull you to sleep with uh, so many different players that you may not know much about. And are you, you know, and I didn't know much about either until I did at least some research on them. Um, so we'll take a quick break. We'll get to that Facebook 
talkers with you guys out there, you the listeners, right after this. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, episode number 66, which is a reminder for iPod users along with MP3 players like the Microsoft Zune and such. So now we're going to get to your Facebooks. So back on uh, August the 2nd, Cedric Paulding. Cedric Paulding, so great to have you back here again. Hope you're still listening and keeping up with the show. His comment is, hey, Joey, a couple of questions. One, how is Pat Williams looking with the weight loss? And, yeah, he's uh, looking really good, by the way. Cedric, they're really uh, excited about him, though, unfortunately, it could be his final year at age 37. He's only got this one year left. Uh, very big possibility Pat Williams moves on after the season. But uh, they're very excited about him down there. Well, in Mankato, but now up here in uh, <laughs> Eden Prairie as well. Looking very good. Uh, the second question is, can you make me feel better about our secondary? It's the only part of the team I'm concerned about. Well, the cornerback position is looking really good right now. Lito Shepard's solid, not tearing up anything yet, unfortunately. But Chris Cook is, as I mentioned earlier, looking phenomenal. And uh, that is definitely a huge reason to be uh, to be optimistic about the secondary. Uh, uh, Chris Cook looks better than, than, than I certainly expected. Um, he sounded like a boring kind of fill-in draft-for-need type of pick at the time. Now he looks like he could be one of the next uh, very good cornerbacks in the NFL. Could be another Cedric Griffin, may even be beyond him. We'll see how it turns out. Of course, I'm, that's totally just throwing that out there. I mean, there's no guarantee anything like that's going to happen. But as of right now, Chris Cook looks like a phenomenal pick for the Minnesota Vikings with the second pick in the second round via the Detroit Lions. Um, really, really exciting, actually, so far from Chris Cook. And uh, that's a much much needed piece to the Vikings secondary. The safeties, well, they're healthy. That's the good part. Uh, Jamarcus Sanford continues to improve. That's another reason to be excited as well. Jamarcus Sanford, one of the better seventh-round picks I've seen for the Vikings. I mean, he's... Uh, He's exciting, so as long as he doesn't put his helmet in, in anybody's femur this year, he's going to be, uh, he, he, he's got a chance to be a pretty damn good safety in the NFL, provided uh, he gets enough playing time, and uh, he eventually could beat out Tyrell Johnson or Medea Williams for one of those safety spots, uh, in my opinion. I'm very excited there. Hussein Abdullah as well is a very solid special teams guy, and he's a you know, very good special teams guy and a very solid safety so there is hope in the secondary, believe it or not. And if absolutely necessary, maybe Antoine Winfield will be a safety at some point. Maybe. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, so far, he looks good going into camp, but nothing spectacular as of yet. Just good. He looks better than he did at the end of last year, that's for sure. So there's some encouragement for the secondary right there. As of right now, Dylan's comment is hell to the yes. Another fantastic show, Joey. You cracked me up, and that was about episode 65. And I appreciate that, Dylan. And my question to you, Dylan, is what was what, what was the part that cracked you up the most, I guess? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I try to add that element to Purple Mafia. I, I don't want to come up here and just be, just talk about numbers and just be all Mr. ESPN. You know, I mean, I want to add a little more personality to the show than just be Mr. ESPN, because I think some people are a little bit too serious out there. And I'll just leave it at that. So now, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker returns to the Purple Mafia, mes- the Purple Mafia message board. It's the Purple Mafia Facebook group in terms of commenting. Great to see him on here again. He's, of course, from Vancouver, Canada, and another big, giant Vikings fan. His comment is, well, I'm hearing reports that Favre is done. Of course, he was, yeah, this is what he was talking about when Favre was texting players on, uh, yeah, this was an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Texting, texting players that he's done. Tucker is saying that he was hearing that front office and ownership are scrambling to convince him to come back. One thing was being reported that Ziggy and officials are said to be putting another big money offer together to increase his salary from 13 to upwards of 16 to 20. 
in order to get him back. In the end, I still think the old man comes back for September 9th, or else I, for one, am going to be pretty choked. As we could have drafted or signed someone to replace him. Frog, you better get back here, or else this is truly a sad day in Vikings land. I do agree with Chris Tucker there. So yeah, the second half of that was more, you know, obviously... That's more that that's still a current thing. Obviously, the first part, yeah, uh, Favre then came out and denied it later on that day. I never said I'm done. You know, I never said I'm done. I've made my decision yet, and that's what he says. It's more than probably anything in the history of mankind is that he's never made his decision. Uh, I'm sure Brett Favre's going to get a raise. I'm sure that's part of what's going on. So I kind of agree there with that. I also do kind of agree that Favre will return, but you never do know. He's so unpredictable, you never do know. To, to this point, he has just flat came back every time. It's just so he just it's just later and later every time. It seems like, um, mm. yeah, the Vikings did have opportunities, multiple opportunities to replace Brett Favre, if they absolutely knew, you know, concrete that Favre was going to retire. Donovan McNabb was available, absolutely, and I would have taken him to the Minnesota Vikings in a heartbeat. The offense is perfectly suited for Donovan McNabb. And, of course, uh, Jimmy Clausen was floating out there at the end of the first round. And at the start of the second round, Jimmy Clausen was floating out there, attitude or not. There, There is talent there and potential. And i got to think a tough guy like Brad Childress could get Jimmy Clausen to kind of kind of tenderize that attitude just a little bit. It'll tenderize him a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. Very, very good thoughts by Chris Tucker there. But then he makes this comment <laughs> a few days later about Judd Zolgad. He said, oh, and this Judd Zolgad dude from KFN is seriously looking like a D, D-bag, basically is what he's saying, with this whole fake texting story. Joey, you should seriously throw your hat in the ring <laughs> in the media down there. From all the podcasts and reports I watch and listen to on the net, it looks like most of the media guys in Mini are pretty low in talent. <laughs> Paul Allen sounds like a tool, and the dude on the Vikings website looks like he is always nervous interviewing players. Weak. Anyways, looking forward to the show. Vancouver Viking out. And that's an awesome nickname. So, yeah, Vancouver Viking Chris Tucker. There you go. The double V. The double V. Now, that is some... First, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this first, that is a phenomenal compliment, and I appreciate it very much, Chris Tucker, that uh, Viking, Van, Vancouver Viking, there, that was a lack of talent, oh, I screwed that up already, um, hey, I appreciate that, that is phenomenal, and uh, you know what, there's nothing I'd rather do right now than become one of the, you know, paid media people in this town, that would be fantastic, I like Paul Allen, I think he's a very good announcer, but I do think for a lot of these guys in this town, a lot of them towed the company line a lot. Um, partially, they're scared of... Um, <laughs> basically, they're scared of uh, pissing off the wrong people, we'll say. And the other thing is, it seems like they get chummy with players on the team. Guys like Paul Allen, they get chummy with certain players, I think, and that can kind of hurt things a little. But for the most part, Paul Allen is one of the more honest guys in this town, I think. For the most part, though... He can be, they do call him duckies and bunnies for a reason, you know, the whole overly positive at times, though I guess that's what a lot of fans in this town want to hear. I mean, some people don't like when I come out and be be negative, but at the same time, honesty is always the best policy, and that's what I like about Dan Barrero in this town, though. Not everybody likes him either. Uh, Honestly, though, I do believe the Judd Zelget story. I'm going to say that. I'm not trying to sell you out there on this. I'm not, you know... it sounds like something Brett Favre would do. If, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's just one of those things. That's just an opinion. It does sound like something Brett Favre would do, that he would uh, say he's done. Maybe he didn't actually say he's done, though. He said, this is it, guys. And people probably took it as, it as yeah, this is it. I'm finished. Though it may have been more or less, this is it. Here, This is it. Like, basically, they were... Uh, the it's training camp. Here we go. <laughs> it's hard to say, though. It's it, That's a possibility. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Sorry for being long-winded there. Oh, that was a pretty sweet uh, 
stalker there. Very, very interesting. And here we go. Tony L. Coleman. I hope I said your name correctly. And he is Twineball, folks. Remember how I remember how you heard the name Twineball at times from the TSS boards? This is him. He has surfaced on Facebook and joined the Facebook group. So thank you, Twineball, Tony, for joining the family here on the Facebook group, Repurple Mafia. His comment is Favre is going to come back. This was just last Friday. I really think that he, Childress, Vikings management, and Favre's doctors have it all worked out and decided already they all like the we, uh, the will he, won't he publicity. That sounds, that surrounds this issue. It gets a buzz rolling. People all over the country are talking about the Minnesota Vikings in relation to this. From a marketing stand, excuse me, from a marketing standpoint, it's excellent branding. People are paying attention to the Vikes right now because of this question, and that's exactly what the organization wants. And uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you, that helps the that helps the podcast a little too. <laughs> so I, I appreciate it, and it helps any media outlet. Yeah, like a podcast, like this one, um, it it does. It gives more material too, though. On this show, I very rarely am in need of material, except maybe in May and June, and sometimes I'm just too dang busy to be, to even be available, so sometimes it's a nice break then, too, as well. Um, very good thoughts there. I, I'm sure I'm sure it doesn't hurt them, we'll say. I honestly don't know who to believe on that. It's, it's tough. I, mm, it does get a buzz rolling, and there was inside information, we'll say. Via 1500, which is now called ESPN, it used to be KSTP in this town, as Tony probably knows, being he's from here. Uh, Brent Jacobson, a buddy of mine who uh, joined via, who first found me via Twitter on the, the Purple Mafia and all that, and Tim Rolls Explosion and Facebook and all that good stuff. We text back and forth at times. Uh, he texted me earlier because I was too busy to to hear the show, unfortunately, that uh, the Vikings have ordered a special. Uh, food service for Brett Favre that involves some type of jambalaya. So it's like, hmm, why would they be doing that? That must mean that he is coming back and they already know, or at least are preparing for the likelihood that he's returning. So very interesting thought there. Um, Yeah, I still do. I think they know more than they're leading on, yet at the same time, they also know it's not a guarantee. So I'll just leave it at that, I guess. Um, Yeah, the buzz is good, though. The buzz is good. More interest, more fans. More listenership, more hits on the Vikings website, <laughs> and uh, everything else. Shucks, the NFL likes it. The NFL likes it. Keeps more and more people interested. Tony then made a comment saying, preseason starts tonight. Anyone else excited? And I simply like it, yeah. <laughs> I could have commented, but I was uh, I, I was busy at the time, but I did put a like on that. Tony returns one more time here. His comment is he was really impressed with Joe Webb's debut performance with the Vikings. Rosenfels didn't have a bad night either. If Favre doesn't come, but I think he will, I really hope the Vikings focus on Rosenfels and Webb. Jackson just doesn't do it for me. If Brett does come back, though, it'll most likely be Webb that gets cut, which would be a shame. Well, here's the thing on that. Uh, I talked about this kind of earlier, too, in the show. It's like I could have almost merged all of this together, but that would have probably gotten kind of crazy. I would have kind of, my head would have been spinning a little too much. Um, I think Rosenfels gets traded, Tony. I think Rosenfels is going to get traded if Favre comes back, of course. If he doesn't, well, then there's your three quarterbacks. We're done. You know, then it's between Jackson and Rosenfels to start. And Webb is the uh, number three guy developmental quarterback. Another Tavares Jackson in that sense. Though I think he could be a more successful player than Tavares. I think he's got more physical tools than Tavares Jackson. Uh, so I definitely agree with if Webb gets cut, it would be an absolute shame. I don't think the Vikings are going to cut Joe Webb. I don't think they're going to. I don't think so. I, I think Rosenfels is going to get traded if Favre comes back. I, I think that's the most likely scenario. You, they cannot get. They cannot let go of of, of Webb. I, I just say. I just got to stick with that. Indeed. Tony responds here. As I went with that. Uh, I I think it'd be a crying shame to keep Jackson over Rosenfels. Why do so many people think Jackson is good? They say he's got so much potential, but he's never proven that. He's flaky. He blows it so often. 
Everyone was saying last night that the Vikings had a rough start. Well, who started? And Sage Webb did a nice job last night. Jackson had a few years to prove his potential and has done it and hasn't done it yet. So yeah, my response to that is, well, you know, I I, I agree with you in a, in a lot of ways there. Tavares Jackson, now the reason why he's why people think he's so good and everything is because of his win-loss record. Um, but again, like I posted on here in the response, is that Tavares Jackson's win-loss record is a little bloated because a lot of his good games were against really cruddy defenses, like the Arizona Cardinals especially. Four touchdown passes, I mean, yeah, against the Cardinals. Their, their defense is so bad, I can't even believe it. What, they give up 40 points to the uh, Packers, 50 points to the Saints, and, and it's the same defense that, of course, well, they fell asleep during the year they went to the Super Bowl. During during the year, they got a slightly better, but it was mostly Kurt Warner being so good and the offense being so good, they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. But, of course, that awful defense completely let them down against a, uh, well, above-average Pittsburgh offense, I'll say. Above-average. I'm just going to, that's as far as I'm going to go because I don't want to, I don't want to, like, get too many people jumping on me. I don't like the Steelers at all. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but, yeah, that was way too much digressing. Sorry, guys. That's the point. But the point really is Tavares Jackson has gone against really bad defenses in his, in his good games. And when he goes against a decent defense, what happens? Especially in a playoff game that was at home, the Philadelphia Eagles stomped Tavares Jackson. He made lots of mistakes. And we got buried. We all know what happened to Brett Favre. He was he was extremely good against the Saints, other than that really bad play. He he threw in another interception in the game as well, but it wasn't as bad. I, it was more of a misread. But uh, that across the <laughs> across the body throw was really bad, though. Tavares Jackson, no way would the Vikings be in that position if he was the starting quarterback. Uh, Sage Rosenfeld's no guarantee either, but I, uh, potentially he could be more of a steady guy than Tavares. I guess I'm going to be neutral on that right now uh, because Sage Rosenfels makes a lot of mistakes as well. Check out Sage Helicopter <laughs> on YouTube. Simply type that in, Sage Helicopter. That was when he was a member of the uh, Texas, Texans two years ago. Last year in training camp, he was so soft, he, and in the preseason, uh, he was unwatchable. Um, mm, suffice to say, Favre needs to come back, or Joe Webb needs to be like the next Mike, not not Michael Vick, the next McNabb, in like in like two years or something. That's about what we what, what the Vikings need. Uh, Long term, I don't really want either one of them as a starting quarterback, though. I do think Sage has talent. It's just a matter of has he finally, at age what thirty two now, has he finally harnessed it? And to talk about Tavares Jackson in camp, well, we'll see how that turns out as well. He looks really good in camp. He was mediocre in the game, got one first down and couldn't get anywhere after that. And then it was all about Sage being showcased. So now we can finally get to the very end. I comment, because I want to put, I'm going to mention this, warning, warning, warning. If Joe Webb gets cut, you will hear me explode on the air. Tony uh, Tony Coleman, Twine Ball, likes it. Brent Jacobson responds with with a with a show be, being via the internet. You don't need the dump button, but you may get the explicit label on iTunes. <laughs> yep, Brent Jacobson coming in there. Um, yeah, that's true. I it's unlikely that I'm going to swear. I guess I'll say hell, hell and damn yes, but the other four letter words probably not, not yet, probably not ever. Just just to protect this show because the explicit label. I don't really want to lose that many listeners. That'd be kind of that would suck. So then again, the other show that I mentioned, the crossover, that's got a lot of listeners with their explicit red sign on their show. So we'll see how that turns out. Right now, I don't want to go in that direction, but uh, I would be pretty, let's just say I would be pretty pissed off if Joe Webb gets cut. So we'll pretty much end things with that. It was kind of all over the place, but then again, because of positions, it was organized enough in terms of positions and, of course, the comments on Facebook. So... We're going to finally come to an end. This has been a long one, a little longer than an hour here. We want you to please join the uh, the message boards on thesportstuff.com. Simply 
go to the website, the front page, click on the button that says TSS Boards. That should be on the right side still. Click on that, then click register and create a screen name that uh, makes sense and isn't just a bunch of jumbled stuff that appears like spam. And there you go. You can join the message boards. You can be a part of the sportsstuff.com. We need you on that website because the more people that go to sportsstuff.com, the more Purple Mafia can grow as well, can grow and develop into possible advertising or whatever. <laughs> you get the idea. Um, this site, this this show needs that. I mean, this show needs to continue to grow. Please do tell a friend. We'd appreciate it very much. Oh, and don't forget to call into the phone lines on the sportsstuff.com. That way your voice can be heard as well. That way I'm not necessarily just reading on Facebook, but you can uh, hear yourself on air with me. Simply call it 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Type in, or excuse me, <laughs> Mention your name and town, and there you go. You'll be on air with me, and that would be fantastic. Of course, you know about the Facebook group and the Twitter. I already mentioned that multiple times, so I won't do that too much anymore until the next show, which will, of course, be a continued analogy during the preseason, not as uh, long as this show. This was kind of the big one. This was the very analytical show. Of course, not deep analytical on everybody. I mean, the sixth or seventh, you know, like guy competing for, or ninth guy competing for linebacker, the seventh defensive tackle. I'm not necessarily going to really go in depth on him, but more or less the uh, the battles for positions are, uh, that's pretty much what the discussion was today. Very, very fun stuff indeed. And, of course, some positivity regarding the likes of Chris Cook and others, like Jamarcus Stanford. So... Again, we will return most likely in a week. We'll talk about the 49ers game and deeper um, talks. We'll say we'll probably talk about some cuts at that point as well. We'll get a little bit closer to the final roster and to uh, maybe some Brett Favre news. I think this is the week, folks. Shh, I think this is the week. We'll see. We'll see. We'll probably talk about Favre on the next show. Yeah, I think there's a good chance of that, but hopefully not the whole show. <laughs> Very unlikely the whole show, so because it's not quite as uh, dramatic as last year. It's, it's just not. Because nobody thought Favre would ever be on the Vikings, and then it finally happened. Yeah. So we'll conclude with that. Thank you always for listening. And, uh, again, tell a friend about the show, and we'll be back in a week. Do take care. Mm-hmm.